0: Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to
1: personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. The brilliant leaders of today. So important. So important. And how can we become more conscious? How can we become more awake as we lead Our companies, our families, our relationships. Well, our guest today, Michael Gelb, he is the author of The Healing Organization, Awakening the Conscience of Business to Help Save the World. That's a good way to start. Michael, welcome to the show.
0: <laughs> Thanks. It's great to be with you.
1: Website, MichaelGelb, dot com, or HealingOrganizations, with an S, dot com, HealingOrganizations.com. Let's just start by having you tell us about your book.
0: The Healing Organization, Awakening the Conscious of Business to Help Save the World. So what's great is our book, it's a manifesto of the movement to help save the world through the transformation of business and have it be more caring in every dimension. But let's just look at the big picture. It's part of a a wave that's happening. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, the Business Roundtable made their announcement that we have to focus more on stakeholder well-being rather than just shareholder return. Uh, The other day, uh, somebody just sent me a a note yesterday about – the repurposing of $2.3 trillion toward more green-oriented energy investments. Larry Fink, the CEO of Blackstone, the biggest investment firm in the world, in his 2019 letter to his CEOs said, if you want us to invest in you in the next years to come, you need to have a higher purpose that so the biggest transfer of wealth ever is about to take place as boomers hand over 24 trillion to millennials and the millennials conscience is already awakened. They want to do more than just aggrandize themselves and survive. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to help save the world. So the healing organization is a playbook for those entrepreneurs who want to make a difference and be wildly successful at the same time.
1: Now, this is your 17th book. I uh, happen to believe in conscious capitalism, and you are very involved and invested, actually, in conscious capitalism (laughs) or conscious leadership. And let's just talk about that for a few minutes, because there's more to life than just making money. And I think what happens is, once we make money, entrepreneurs, we're out to make money when we first start. It's like, make money, feed my family, you know, and, 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 and our conscience is pretty clear. We know we have to make money, but we are driven to make money. And then all of a sudden we make, start making a lot of money, some of us. Start making a <laughs> lot of money. And, and then what happens when there's a wretched excess? Do you feed that dark side of yourself and become kind of like the Grinch? Or do you actually look to do good in the world and start looking at your employees and those that need to earn a little more or need a little help or maybe need a leg up or maybe need to have their own business and need to be encouraged by you, us, to say, Uh you know what, you could really do well if you had your own business. How about if you take the chance, I'll keep paying you. You can work for me, you know, uh, a little different hours if you want to, because I want to help you to be an entrepreneur. I've done that. And uh, my God feels so good when that person is off and running and doing their own things. It's like training your kids or showing your kids how to take the training wheels off of their bicycle. And now they're, they're riding on their own and you're, and you get a a sense of self-worth of, I just helped that person, you know, change their life for the better. and, and, And in an unselfish way, it's like. I don't get anything back from it, other than that that beautiful feeling that you have. My my dad calls it. A, it's a, a Yiddish word, nachas, which is a warmth of the heart. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if you know that word well, or not. But <laughs> well, that was just so beautiful. You just describe that awakening,
0: which is getting the notion that yes, of course, it's it's wonderful to generate. Tremendous,
1: abundance. Right. All right. But hold tight. Content, hold tight. Let me take another. Uh, let me take a break here, and we'll we'll take another shot sure. at sure. Talking about sure. your book, we're talking to Michael Gelb. He is the author of "The Healing Organization: Awakening the Conscious the Conscience of Business to Help Save the World." Man, that's a big one. That's a big one. I'll take a little break. It's Entrepreneur <laughs> Weekly. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. I'm an entrepreneur. My name's Alan Taylor. Entrepreneur magazine on newsstands everywhere. Pick up a copy. Also, visit our website, entrepreneur.com. And, uh, you know, we're talking with Michael Gelb, his book, The Healing Organization. Michael, when you talk about healing, what exactly do you mean? Is it physical, spiritual, or something else? And can a conscious business really save the world? But what is it? Is it physical, spiritual? What is it?
0: It's physical, it's spiritual, it's emotional. I would say it's even intellectual. Healing means wholeness. And you described it before about the sense of wholeness you got, the nafis you got, the pleasure, the good feeling you got from helping one of the people who was working for you. But here's the bonus that I think is really important for people to understand is what we're learning, and my co-author, Raj Sisodia, did the research. He's a business school professor. He has done the research to show that when you operate in this way, in a way that is oriented towards wholeness, towards healing, towards caring for, first of all, most importantly, your own employees. It all begins with that because then your employees care more for your customers and you care for your vendors and they know they can trust you and you care for your community. So your community supports you. You create, a situation that is not only healing; it's more profitable. You'll make more money over time. So once you know that, how could you even think about doing anything else?
1: All right, got another one for you here. What companies do you feel currently embrace this healing organization movement?
0: Well, there are lots of them. That's the fun we had in this book as we profile in depth twenty-five healing organizations from very diverse industries. There's some some really, really cool ones. Like, you know, this whole thing in Kentucky where there are all these out of work coal miners and industries that have collapsed. And a lot of people are very disenchanted and very angry and very upset. And a lot of politicians kind of exacerbate those people's anger or promise to bring back the coal industry, which is obviously not happening. But check this out, this immigrant, by the way, entrepreneur, born in Kentucky, came up with this idea of training these out of work communities, training the people how to do coding. So these people are now making more money per hour than anybody made in a coal mine. They don't get black lung. They have a future for themselves because they're part of a new industry, a growth industry. They've got a future for themselves and their communities. So that's to me, that's just one example of when we talk about how business can help save the world, that's what we're talking about. It's don't lie to people. (laughs) Help them use their that entrepreneurial spirit, that creative spirit. Help them learn what they need to learn to go out and meet other people's needs. Because that's what is healthy business is about meeting people's needs and doing it. In a cost efficient and intelligent and creative way. Mm. And so that, that company I described is called Interact. It's just one of the stories in our book.
1: Mm-hmm. The book, again, is called The Healing Organization. And so you can go to healingorganizations.com on the web and find that, or Michael Gelb, And uh, you told me you were a juggler?
0: That's correct. I worked my way through graduate school as a professional juggler. I juggled live on stage with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones and also with Bob Dylan. Oh my and many years ago, I, also, I taught Joan London how to juggle live on Good Morning America. I wrote a book about juggling and I still teach big seminars. I teach like a thousand IBM engineers how to juggle and we use it as a metaphor for the process of keeping a number of things up in the air and don't get too upset when you drop them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Oh, that's funny. Michael, let me ask you, and you've written 17 books. What are you most proud of? I mean, what bubbles right up out of all this life that you've lived now and all these books, and here you are with the Healing Organization and this whole uh, conscious capitalism movement?
0: Well, I would say thank you for asking that one because this is it. The Healing Organization is the most important thing that I've had anything to do with thus far. It's the culmination of everything I've ever done. And what's really cool is my, my co-author, Raj Sasodia, who is the co-author of the book Conscious Capitalism with John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods. And, and Raj is also the author of a great book called Firms of Endearment. This is Raj's 11th book, and he'll tell you the same thing so for both of us coming together to share this message of the healing organization, it is the the culmination of our life's work thus far, and we hope the beginning of what we'll be helping people with for the next decades to come.
1: All right. When we come back, you're going to be the professor for a moment, and uh, you can ask Raj to be on our show so that we can get both your take on this. We're talking with Michael Gelb, the healing organization. Can your organization heal? Michael will teach you how on the other side. We'll be right back. It is Entrepreneur Weekly. Well, this is Entrepreneur Weekly. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget pick up our magazine on newsstands everywhere, Entrepreneur Magazine. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a wantrepreneur? Well... There may be a day in your life when you decide, I've had enough of this corporate job, or maybe you just want to affect the company in a positive way and be a corporate entrepreneur from the, uh, the inside changing the world. Well, Michael Gelb has written a book, and it may be just the right book for you. It is called... The Healing Organization, Awakening the Conscience of Business to Help Save the World. He's joining us right now. And for those who could be entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs on the inside of big organizations that could maybe knock on the door of their boss and say, Hey boss, I got a great idea. Let's give them some of those great ideas, Michael. Maybe you have a few uh, pieces of advice, some nuggets of gold that they can take with them. What are they?
0: Oh, yeah, I got lots of them. <laughs> and the, the first one is one of the things we noticed in all of these businesses, one thing that they all figured out was that they needed to make their employees their key stakeholder. That you actually, you know, the customer does not come first. That was a big new idea when Harry Selfridge thought of it in the department store business in England at the turn of the last century, because it used to just be caveat emptor, buyer beware. <laughs> right. So looking after customers became this radical new innovation and is a really good idea, of course. But it turns out the way you really look after customers is you look after your own people. So in our book, there's all these fabulous stories of like the people at Menlo Innovations, for example, a software company or JBN Consulting, a consulting company based in Atlanta who refocus the whole way they do their business, treating the families of all their employees as stakeholders in the business. So, for example, at Menlo Innovations, people actually just bring their children to work, and they've created this amazing, cooperative, childcare environment. Last, We talked to the CEO, uh, he's become a friend a couple weeks ago, he said the latest count they
1: have 26 babies in their office <laughs> oh my God. i gotta tell you how bizarre this is because my daughter-in-law works for me and so her and my son had a baby and of course the girl that sits next to her a couple of months later had a baby my daughter who works for me part-time and her husband had a baby And then the guy (laughs) that sat next to them had their second baby. So I said, look, guys, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the breastfeeding room. This is going to be the quiet room so you can put some cribs in there. So as I'm hearing this, I only have a little itty bitty company, but I agree 100%. How would it change the world? For companies right? to actually invest into the lives and the livelihoods of their employees and their families would be a better place because then you don't have latchkey kids where the kids are wandering around getting in trouble because maybe they're at a daycare. at a, at a And how much could it really cost when it comes right down to it? Put the money back into your employees. And the, what they're going to do is exactly what you said, Michael. They're going to put that love right back into the company. Love it.
0: Big time. Well, that's exactly right. Well, that's what we say is invest- in healing like you would in R and D. Yep. And you get a huge return on this investment. I'll give you another example a call center called Apple Tree Answers. This CEO of this company just had an awakening of conscience when he realized he discovered that one of his employees, one of his people who was answering the phones every day, an hourly employee, had lost her home. She went through a difficult divorce, her husband stopped paying alimony. And this woman was living with her two children in this station wagon. Ugh. And this gentleman, just like he, you know, he said he felt incredible shame. He said, here I am. You know, I'm a very successful guy. I'm hanging out with my other salaried, you know, top 10% of the company. And we think we're really nice. We have good values up on the wall. And I found out that, you know, one of my people was homeless. So this began a revolution in this company. Like, First of all, they got this lady into a place. They helped her. And then they realized that they could reach out to everyone in their company and say, what can we help you with? How can we help you? They created a kind of make-a-wish program within their own company. Right. And it transformed this company. So then they got really into all this. Uh, This is one of the model stories of a healing organization. They had every manager every day ask every single person, what can we do to make your experience of working here better? And the first thing the people who answered the phone said is, get us better chairs because we all have back aches because these chairs are terrible. Right. And you need us to be nice to these people, but it's hard to be nice when you're in pain.
1: Right. They
0: replaced the chairs by the end of the week. So check this out. The turnover in the industry of call centers on average was about 150%. <laughs> At this company, before they started this, they were about 120%. After they made these healing initiatives, 18% turnover. Gosh. So think about that in terms of the ROI for that company.
1: It's absolutely it's, it's fun. huge,
0: yeah. huge, huge. So it's number beautiful. one is take care of your people, invest in healing, creating a healing environment for your own people. That's the first lesson.
1: All right, all right. Here's what it is, people. The Healing Organization, Awakening the Conscience of Business to Help Save the World. You can do it. I do it. Michael Gelb has done it. You can find more about this online at healingorganizations.com or michaelgelb.com. Michael, I applaud uh, this this, uh, conscious capitalism movement that you're on. And uh, it's fantastic. This is good stuff. This is what we need. It starts at home, in the home business. It starts with the entrepreneurs. We'll take a break and be back with more. Thank you. It is Entrepreneur Weekly. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. You're going to love this next guest. I already love him. I talked to him in the commercial break. I gave him one minute, and I just fell in love with this guy. He's got a brand-new, best-selling book, Total Rethink. You know what? And you don't want to be one of those yo-yos out in the world. He says to me that people outside of the business world, they need the Total Rethink more, even more, than people in business. Because when you're in business, you got to you got to sharpen your pencil every single day. you got to sharpen yourself every single day. But you people listening on radio stations and the podcasts around the world, you people need it too. Otherwise, guess what? If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. All right, my next guest, David McCourt. Here he is, davidmccourt.com. You can find him on the web, at DCMcCourt is his handle on the social media world. David, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. I love your intro music. i got to get you to do my playlist.
1: (laughs) There you go. So you are the founder and chairman of Granahan McCourt Capital and author of this brand new best-selling book, Total Rethink. When it says best-selling, what does that mean? Where is it best-selling? Come on.
2: It's best-selling on Wall Street Journal. It's best-selling in USA Today, and it's best-selling in the entrepreneurship category, out of Amazon, which is where 80% of the books are sold. So that's probably the most important
1: one. All right, give me the golden nugget. Why is this so important? Total rethink. What are we rethinking? But why is this so important to people outside of business as well as people in business? I want to hear your take.
0: All right, well, there's a couple
2: of reasons. First of all, business people, they're like mice, right? They're going to find a crumb. If you leave them on their own, they're going to do just fine. <laughs> but there's lots of people out in the world that care about stuff they're passionate about stuff but they just you know they don't have a utility for a lot of money or don't really care about a lot of money but they want to make a difference they want to make a change they might be diplomats they might be nurses they might be doctors they might be cops they want to do a good job and the world is moving so fast right now as you know alan and that's a combination of globalization social media the internet how we absorb information all those things together are making the world move so fast but yet we're still thinking in incremental ways, like we have since the Industrial Revolution. From the Industrial Revolution up to, say, you know Jack Welsh's tenure at GE to the like mid 90s, everything was about incremental change. And everybody, as you know, everybody had expressions for it: Six Sigma and another turn of inventory and another point of EBITDA. And you could do well in your business by by just executing with incremental change, and you could do well in your life by just moving along. With incremental change. But now everything's moving so fast. Right. You've got to rethink everything. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. You're totally screwed if you're trying to make small incremental changes in a world that's moving this fast.
1: All right. All right, all right. I'm going to use an example here because I got this happening in my own life. I have this employee that I adore. I adore her. She's been working for us for a few years. She's a little older and technology scares her a little bit. And we're about to put in this whole brand new system to make sure that we take care of our customers and that we keep everything, you know, all systems and processes all in place where you can pull it up in a second. Got a dashboard and da, 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 da. and she's like, ah, she's used to making three copies of everything and putting a copy of each thing in a file and doing it the old school way. Right. I respect that. I love that. I am old school. I love that. But guess what? If we don't keep up. We are going to be left behind. You can no longer be effective in the marketplace when things are moving at the speed of light and you are on a pedal scooter. you got to get up with the game. Am I right?
2: 100%. Not only will business not reward you if you don't do it, they won't even allow you. Right. They won't even allow you. You won't even be in the game. You're like Don't suit up. Stay in the locker room. Whew, Forget about true. it. Not happening.
1: Here's the sad part. Is it's in her mind, in her mind, too much to swallow. And I always say to people, okay. how do how you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You don't have to swallow the whole elephant at once, but you got to get started, people. You got to get started. If you're listening, if you're one of those people outside of business that we're talking about, I'm talking with David McCourt, and we're talking about total rethink, you better start totally rethinking. You better get this man's book because guess what? What happens if what you thought was a sure thing? Turns out to not be a sure thing. You've seen it a million times. And all of a sudden, you're doing like a buddy of mine who was working this big corporate job, just had to get a job selling cars at a car dealer. And I'm a car guy. I love that. But let me tell you, he went from making, you know, a couple hundred grand a year. I don't know if he's going to make 50 this year. Life changes. You've got to start now. Sorry, David. I'm just going to take over the whole show. Oh, it's my show. No, I can do, it, I
2: can do it, it. You, it's, your, it's your show. You can <laughs> take anything you want. But, but I, you're 100% right. On top of that, you, you happen to be 100% right. right. You, 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 you happen to be 100% right. But listen, what she has to do, or anybody else that's listening has to do, is when I was a, a freshman in high school, I was struggling with algebra, and I had an algebra teacher, and when the class was over one day, he said, hey, Mr. McCoy, you come back here for a minute. And Father Haggerty was his name. And he said, look, I'm going to give you a little tip. And this tip is good for algebra, and it's good for the rest of your life it's actually not that hard if you break it down into pieces. He said, algebra, it looks hard, but if you break it down in pieces, it's not very hard. And everything else in life is like that. You have a big problem, break it down in pieces. So give it to her a piece at a time. Don't throw a zillion things at her at once. Give it to her a piece at a time. Look, my mother who just recently died at 102. Now, she was an extraordinary, unusual woman because she renewed her license at 100 for 10 years, okay? So this is not a normal woman. But she, one time we're at the airport, she's about 98 at the time, and we're at the airport. I took her away. When she was 102, I took her to the Caribbean for a couple months in the winter. I take her away every year. So anyway, we're at the airport. We're changing planes in Puerto Rico to go to Saint Croix. And I said, hey, mom, I'm going to go get us two cups of coffee in the newspaper. She goes, I'll take the coffee. I got my own iPad. She pulls out of her purse her iPad, right? right? Now, at that time, I didn't have one, okay? I'm like, I'm still buying the newspaper. I'm still waiting in line at WH Smith or whatever it's called at the airport there to buy the newspaper. Right. And she's reading hers online. Yeah, Like, you just have to take it one, step, it one step at a time.
1: Anybody I totally, can do it. I one totally step at a get. time. All right, hang tight. Talking with David McCourt. He is the founder and chairman of Granahan McCourt Capital. And uh, he's also the author of the brand-new best-selling book, Total Rethink. DavidMcCourt.com on the web, at DC McCourt on social media. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. Very interesting stuff. When we come back, we're going to talk about defining the urban entrepreneur. What the heck? David will tell you all about it. We'll be right back. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly, I'm Alan Taylor. Entrepreneur magazine and newsstands everywhere, even in the airports, like David McCourt said. Shouldn't have been buying a newspaper, he should have been buying an Entrepreneur magazine. I'm sure he's already done that. Uh, By the way, David McCourt, an interesting man. Again, the founder and chairman of Granahan McCourt Capital, have European offices in Dublin. Also, over uh, 30 years, he's founded or brought 20 companies uh, in nine countries. My goodness gracious, award-winning, critically acclaimed TV series, Reading Rainbow, became the most watched show in the classroom in the United States. Irish-American businessman, he's from South Boston. David, thank you very much. We're going to talk about now defining the Urban entrepreneur. How do you define an urban entrepreneur? Just curious.
2: Look, the whole world is turned urban, right? So, if you check this out every year in the world, is the equivalent of seven New York cities that are moving to or new urban environments that are created. So, urban environments are growing or new urban environments that are being created in Africa or in Asia or somewhere in the world. There's the equivalent of The planet has like seven new New York cities a year. So the whole world is becoming urban, which is a problem for rural America, rural Ireland, rural England, rural Italy, rural Germany, doesn't matter, rural Africa. It's a real problem because it's not sustainable. There's no jobs there. All the jobs are moving to an urban environment. And that itself needs to be fixed. And one way to fix that is to get connectivity, high-speed connectivity to every man, woman, and child in the world. And that offers up all sorts of opportunities for people because there are smart people Alan, they're smart, confident, hardworking people all over the world. But, you know, they weren't lucky enough to be born near an urban environment and they weren't lucky enough to have a mother like I did to give them confidence. So they're screwed.
1: Here's what I see. And I think you may have also said this along our journey here. But the advancements in technology is really leading to the disappearance of the middleman. Because i got to tell you, I know somebody in Hollywood right now. I'm not going to name drop. But this person does a lot of their own booking because it's so easy anymore. One email, one response, one more response back, and the next one is, okay, let's do it. And all of a sudden now, you're paying yourself twice. Sometimes you can pay yourself two or three times and earn more money just being smart, being wise with your time and technology.
2: Yeah. The middleman is dead. I mean, he's anyone that sits between your product or your service and the end customer. That business model is in huge trouble. That business model is in big, big trouble. So, you know, if if anybody listening, is thinking about starting a business, they need to think about a business that cuts out the middleman. If their business model is creating a middleman, then it's going to be short lived. They're going to wear the dinosaur.
1: Makes no sense. Talk about collaboration, because I to me, everything I do, I try to collaborate. Because if we put our heads together, you and I, we could change this whole world. Because you're going to go. I got another guy. We get to bring it, and I got. And I go. I got another guy. And it's like six degrees of separation. But to me, one and one doesn't make two. It makes eleven.
2: Hundred percent. Look, I grew up being trained by the Peter Keywood Company in Omaha, Nebraska. Right, so. That was, you know, Walter Scott, who's a in there, was sort of my mentor, and they do anywhere from 15 to $17 billion a year, a very hard industry they're in, the construction industry, and they were my partner early on, and they do about, I don't know, 60% of all their revenue comes from partnerships around the world, and they just taught me that if you collaborate with someone else, not only do you have more ideas for the upside, but more importantly, Alan, you have more warning for the downside. Sometimes when you're in the middle of doing battle, when you're trying to start a business or grow a business, you don't see the downside. If you have a partner, they can sometimes stand in a different spot and see a downside that you don't see. So your downside, if you collaborate with people, is so much less. And it's so much more fun. Yeah. It's so much more fun to do it with someone else. Collaboration, inclusion, and empowerment, those aren't just you know, politically correct buzzwords. That's how you make life
1: fun. That's how life becomes fun. What I found is that entrepreneurs are my tribe. You know what I mean? It's like if I wander into a bunch of football players, you know, in a locker room talking football, I didn't play football. I played water polo. I don't even know what the heck they're talking about. I get the theory of football. I watch football. But I was not a football player. I was a water polo player because I grew up on the beach. I wanted to be in the water. I wanted to go surfing. But when I walked into the world of entrepreneur, like for Entrepreneur Magazine, when I walked into the offices of entrepreneur, everybody there was an entrepreneur. Everybody we talked to, like you and I, what have we known each other now, 14 and a half minutes? I can tell you that we speak the same language. And I feel like, all right, well, you're part of the tribe now, and I'm part of your tribe. And we immediately, it's like, I don't know, it's like we speak each other's language Even though it's the same words as other people are talking, when you become an entrepreneur, there's a certain heightened awareness. And I don't know whether it's business awareness or life awareness, but there's a heightened awareness. So I say to the people listening, and we got one more segment with this man, if you like what you're hearing, join the tribe, entrepreneur.com. You can find David McCourt at David McCourt, and that's M-C-C-O-R. Let me do it again. M-C-C-O-U-R-T, DavidMcCourt.com. On the web, you can find him on the social media at DC McCourt. His book, Total Rethink. We're going to be right back with more.
2: I'm going to be real on us. Nobody got nothing on
1: When it comes to building and maintaining IT systems, smaller businesses wrestle with slim budgets and resource constraints. At the same time, they're pressured to deliver agility, security, and a great experience for their customers. How can small businesses transform their IT infrastructure without breaking the bank or restraining personnel? Look for a networking solution that is easy to deploy, operate, and manage so it can scale seamlessly when it comes time to expand. Security is top of mind for everyone, especially small businesses that might not have the people or bandwidth to monitor the network as closely as they'd like. For that reason, it's key to look for security features that offer automation and are easy to deploy and use. Businesses that don't think they can afford to make an upfront investment in technology might want to ask about leasing or financing options. There are many easy ways to spread your payments over time while avoiding technology obsolescence. Visit cisco.com go slash SMB to discover our current promotions and free trials and explore the small business portfolio. right now is David McCourt, Granahan McCourt Capital, but he's also the best-selling author of the book Total Rethink from South Boston. Here's a man that is one of the world's most successful award-winning business people, Irish-American. He has either founded or bought 20 companies in nine countries, and he's done television and radio and everything else under the sun. And now what I want to do is give him permission in a very righteous kind of way to be a teacher. And I know, you know, they say, as you teach, you, you should also learn. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm the guy, I'm supposed to be the voice of the brand of the magazine. You know, I'm like, but wait a minute, I, I'm not done learning. I want to learn. So, David, please, teach me. I'd love to have, you know, like three great points of business that are important to all people that are business or private people of this world that, guess what? We still got to do business. We've got to run our household. So go for it.
2: That's a great question because there's lots of schools around the world that are launching these entrepreneurship programs. And, you know, most of the curriculum I don't agree with because, you know, these kids are coming into university and when they decided that they wanted to go to college, they were in high school and they're like, oh, I want to go. They have an entrepreneurship program and I want to be an entrepreneur. That means I have no boss. You know, I can make my own hours. And I can make lots of money. Well, as you know, Alan, you do have to have a, a boss, if that's what you call a mentor. You can make your own hours. It's called 24 hours a day. Yeah, you I'll tell you make, who's mine. You, you can decide whether you're going to work 22 or 24 hours. Right.
1: My boss you is my the, customer, just so you know. But go ahead.
2: You yeah, know. well, look, I, when I was talking to you at the break, you're eating your lunch out of your refrigerator. <laughs> that's You have enough time because you're, you're working 24 hours a day. That's That's, it, the, man. that's the real world. You know it. So that, and that's how it works. And the dirty little secret is real entrepreneurs don't do it for the money. They do it because they're trying to solve a problem. And they love it. They love it. So they're not doing it for the money. Now, if I was doing a curriculum and you could follow my book, but because I have a chapter in each one of these things, first of all, and there's a chapter on this, which is look, you gotta work on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Your strengths can be improved almost infinitely. Your weaknesses are gonna be improved marginally at best if you put the same effort in. And society always teaches you, you know, come home with your report card. You know, four A's and an F, and everybody's like, okay, we need to spend all our time on the F, not, you know, let's spend more time on the A's. And you're obviously gifted in this area. Let's spend time on what you're gifted at. If you can kick a ball into a net, people will tell you at a young age, people will tell you to double down on sports. But everywhere else in life, when you're really good at something and you're not so good at something, they tell you to to put your effort on what you're not so good at, which is anti-intuitive, and it's the wrong way to go about it. So work on your strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses too much. I mean, unless your weaknesses are so bad that no one wants to be around you. But (laughs) other than that, just double down on your strengths. And I have a chapter on that. And I have another chapter on, listen, it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail because your plan B, by definition, is going to be better than your plan A. Because your plan B has the benefit of knowing what went wrong in your plan A. It has that benefit. So it has to be better than your plan A. It has to be, mathematically, because you have a whole list of things that you screwed up on your plan A. And you can't be afraid to fail. A lot of people are afraid. oh, what is someone going to think about? What's my neighbors going to think about? What's my friend going to think about? What's my boyfriend, my girlfriend going to think about me? Look, you've got to get over that. You've just got to say, you know what? America is the country of hopes and dreams. And look, I have a hope and a dream for myself. If I fail, I'm going to pick myself back up. And nobody will appreciate you more than your friends and colleagues if you fail and you pick yourself back up. But you can't be afraid of that. Because guess what? It's going to happen. And I have a chapter on that, and I also have a chapter on you have to know how to tell your story. You might have a great business idea, but if you can't explain it to the capital market, you can't explain it to someone who you're going to to raise some money. You can't explain it in a simple, succinct, understandable, exciting, energetic, passionate way, then no one's going to come to work with you. No one's going to partner with you. No one's going to collaborate with you. No one's going to give you money. If the world, as we talked about a minute ago, is all about collaboration, If you want people to collaborate with you, you have to be able to tell your story. You have to work in your strengths. You have to accept the fact that you might fail. You have to know how to tell a story. And, you know, you told me three points, but let me add a fourth one. Find a mentor. Don't think you know everything yourself. Find someone who's done it and and ask them for help. I wrote Jack Welch a letter, a cold call letter. And I had never met him before. And I said, I'd let you come in and learn from you. This is when he was at the height of his career. He had yeah. increased the stock by 4,000% or something. You know, I got a standard letter back that said, you know, I don't know who you are, buzz off. But then on the bottom, he wrote, Look, call me after Christmas. And after Christmas, I called him. And I put a copy of this letter in my book. And I went and saw him. And he taught me. He, he saved me decades. All of right. The, of, Beautiful. Uh, of, of, of Pain by being my
1: mentor alright let's all save decades of pain by picking up the book Total Rethink you can find it at bookstores everywhere I'm sure Amazon all the rest or you can check out davidmccourt.com that is him at DC McCourt on social media I'm Alan Taylor thank you David thanks Alan see you guys next week same time same channel to learn
0: this program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Incorporated